0: Houston. You're live in the hive with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5.
2: Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Which Texan has the most to prove in 2023?
3: Well, I've narrowed it down to two easy ones, three total, but I think that it's where it has to start. It's either Stingley or Green, your first round picks of a year ago. I, I mean, you give the benefit of the doubt to one. You're not giving it to the other. You expect a whole lot more from both. Stingley is a guy that didn't, they didn't play a system and didn't have a coach that believed in his abilities enough or as a, as a prominent player in his defense enough to play him the right way, and so they shut him down. So you still have questions about his foot and his health, but you have questions about how he fits and can he play in the NFL, and hopefully we'll see that this year. That's a lot to prove. Kenyon Green came in as a run blocker. It's great, and he can run block. Can't pass block to save his life. Coming off an injury now in the offseason. And oh, by the way, as a guard, he was drafted very, very high in the first round. And I think that's the two to me that are 1A and 1B. And you could pick either. I'd say Green probably has the most to prove. But Stingley still is right there on his heels.
2: I don't think there's another player that comes close to those two. Like The conversation to me starts with those two and it ends with those two. You know the then... third one
3: was for me. Who's that? Just because of the unknown is Mechie. Because you traded up, you got Mechie. there was a lot expected of him a year ago you you felt terrible for what he had to go through, yeah, but now he's also missed off season and stuff like and and, and they're really counting on him right now to be a someone in that offense that can do some things and you've never seen him play before,
2: I think he deserves to be. I don't know if I'm going to say in the conversation, but maybe the next conversation, Mm -hmm. because for me, it's Kenyon Green, Derek Stingley, too. Like uh, to me, it's it has to be the guy that we saw drafted number three over Sauce that didn't play tons of games last year, and now you have a new defense. And I think we mostly agree as the city of Houston and people that watch the Texans that this wasn't a defense that really highlighted his skills. Not sure that D'Amico's defense is the most highlighting of skills, but it's way better. And we saw what Sauce Gardner did in New York under a Sala system that we're anticipating to be similar to a D'Amico system. And then Kenyon Green, it's more to justify Nick Casario. Like, you drafted drafting a a guard that high, first guard taken in a draft, that had a bunch of good guards. Cole Strange, uh, the kid from Boston College that went to the Chargers. Like, you look at... Interior offensive linemen that were drafted in the first round of the Kenyon Green draft. There's a bunch of good ones. The first one taken was Kenyon Green. and It is probably the worst first round interior offensive lineman for a rookie season. So that one, you have to justify the Nick Casario decision there to go guard. The justified Nick Casario's decision. If you are going interior offensive lineman, why was it Kenyon Green? So those are the two highest guys on my list as well. Maybe I'm too optimistic because it's June still. I think that Stingley's going to be fine. Like if I had to bet on one of them, I would bet more on Stingley than I would on Kenyon Green because I think Stingley, when he did play, I think he put more quality stuff on film. Than what Kenyon Green put on
3: Not game. only that, but Kenyon Green's now got the built-in excuse of he's coming off an injury in the offseason, too. And, and, and well, met- so,
2: so, I mean, Stingley is, too. Now, Stingley's wasn't as severe, and he probably was healthy before the end of the year. Yeah,
3: I, I think he definitely was. I think they just shut him down Absolutely. and said, basically, not, we're gonna not going to burn him in games that don't matter. Whereas, I think Green's going to have a built-in excuse that he had a medical procedure to take care of an injury. But at the same time, it doesn't erase or disqualify the fact that he couldn't pass block to save his life and he's got to learn to get better. We don't need excuses at this point. We need results and it's going to be a tough proposition because the rest of the line got better. They enhanced different areas of the line. Aside from the center position, we were worried about center and, and guard and it was both guards at one point. But when you brought Shaq in now, all uh, you're really looking at is green and juice and they both have to perform otherwise this, if they do this line is capable of being one of the top 10, 15 lines in the league. Yeah. If they don't, it could be disastrous.
2: I was seeing something the other day too, where the Texans have like top five, most money spent on an on offensive, offensive line. line. I saw that. So it's like, if you're spending that much money on an offensive line and you're a below average offensive line relative to the rest of the NFL, that's what we would call huge negative ROI. That's, that's awful negative return on investment. doing you're, it wrong. Absolutely. If you're spending top five money on your offensive line and your return is bottom half of the NFL offensive line, That's brutal. And if Kenyon Green's kind of like the X factor in having an above-average offensive line versus below-average offensive line, I think we probably give him the title of the one Texan player with the most to prove. Stingley's definitely in the conversation. I think Mechie's a great call. Outside the box, I hadn't thought of that one. And I think Mechie certainly is in this conversation as we look at the Texans as a whole.
3: You know one that I heard that I don't agree with was Christian Harris. Because to me, Christian Harris showed enough once he got on the field last year that I don't think he has that much to prove. He yeah. just has to make sure that he can maintain being on the field. If he can continue to be on the field and build off what he did a year ago, I don't think he falls into that category.
2: Yeah, the only way I could see Harris on the list is if we're talking next year after a disappointing sophomore year. Like it's like, okay, right. well our right. injury plagued sophomore year to the point of like which Harris are we getting? Are we getting the Harris of the last half of his rookie season or are we getting the Harris it's like of a injury-plagued sophomore? You see season. enough of
3: John Grenard in one yeah. season you go, "Man, big things coming ahead." Then he falls off and you're going, "Okay, which guy is you know is he and what can we expect of him?
2: How about him? Like how about him into this oh, conversation? A yeah? Texan with I don't think he has more to prove than Kenyon Green or Derek Stingley,
3: but he's got a lot to prove. But
2: this year for him, I think is make or break whether or not he can be the anchor on the other side of the line yep. from Will Anderson. Because I'm I know that Jerry Hughes is on this team. I know that you signed Winovich. I know that you know you brought in Jacob Martin. If John Grenard isn't I think, by far, your second most used defensive end behind Will Anderson. That tells you that they don't think highly of John Grenard.
3: And if he's not able to beat Jerry Hughes at this point in his career out of snaps, Mm -hmm. that's a problem.
2: Yeah, and how how big of a boost would it be? Because remember last year we were talking about Grenard taking the next step, being a double-digit we were sack We are trying to get to 10
3: sacks for him. Yeah, yeah,
2: and he had a bunch of opportunity, too, because he should have been the best defensive end on this team. And now injury certainly derailed his season. But if he can, if he can go back to where he was a year ago, if he can be a double-digit sack guy, which is going to be difficult because you have Will Anderson, and I don't think he's going to have a high snap count usage as opposed to the past, especially with Anderson here. But if he can anchor down that second defensive end spot for you, that does wonders for the long-term build of this team.
3: It absolutely does. I mean, look, the the versatility in a D'Amico defense to have, you know, a, the, the, to have different guys he can choose from to get to we we're just talking about moving defenders around if you can move defenders around and you can disrupt an entire offensive scheme because of the fact that you have athletes with strength and speed that you can put in different positions uh, to be most effective for your defense that puts a whole lot of strain on them, no matter what offense you're playing and that would be a huge advantage for D'Amico and for the Texans as a, as a whole.
2: Houston Chronicle put together, uh John Alexander, he did this today in the, the Chronicle. Eight returning Texans players are the most approved in 23. So returning players, I think, probably eliminates the rookies here because they're rookies. They're not returning. Brevin Jordan is on. I don't think this is in any order. Brevin Jordan. Like, I I look at the Texans tied in position. I don't really consider Brevin Jordan even in the mix. Like, Brevin Jordan, best-case scenario for Brevin Jordan is that he beats out Quentin Tarantino for the backup tight end spot.
3: Exactly. He makes the backup because you already have a starting-caliber tight end right now.
2: Maybe that's a failure on my part, though. Like, is it a failure on my part to think that Brevin Jordan's an afterthought not really a contributor on this team? Is that, is I don't that, think so. I don't think so either. Is that fair to say, Joe? Like, I don't consider you Brevin have Dalton Jordan. Schultz. I don't yeah. expect
3: anything from Brevin Jordan. And,
2: like, you could you could have Dalton Schultz and have, like, an up-and-coming tight end that it someday is going to be the heir apparent and the future of the position. Like, Jiner Diaz to, the, to Martin Maldonado. Like, Dalton Schultz, is he the Maldonado for a Brevin Jordan, Jiner Diaz? I don't think so. I don't think Brevin Jordan's the heir apparent future of the tight end position for the Houston Texans.
1: No, I, I don't think there's a lot of pressure on, on Brevin Jordan. To me, he is...
3: Usually going to be at best your your second or third tight end, I, or your blocking tight end, because yeah. you don't expect Dalton Schultz to do a whole lot of blocking. So if you bring in someone else, if it's Brevin Jordan to be your
2: blocking tight end, who also can yeah. catch a few passes, so be it. And sometimes I underrate blocking tight end because like I'm even a fantasy if guy.
1: even if he's great, or, or like he's not going to be great. Sorry, he's gonna, he could be good. Like he's still likely going to be replaced after this season.
2: What does not bode well for Brevin Jordan? is that the Houston Texans brought in two randos off the street last year before the season started and they were immediately their best two tight ends with OJ Howard and with Jordan Aiken.
1: Exactly. And like way too early draft crush for next year. I don't care what pick the Texans have from the uh, Browns. I don't know who you're
2: gonna say. Is this going to be another Notre Dame I oh, want Georgia. I want Brock Bowers. I love Brock Bowers. He's
1: so good.
3: I know. That
1: should be I really like CJ Straub, Brock Bowers, let's go.
2: I I love Brock Bowers.
1: He'll be a top fifteen pick. Probably. I think so. I mean, like I think I, so. I, I don't think he'll be top ten because I think people will see what happened to Kyle Pitts and they'll be scared off.
3: But... A lot of people thought your boy from Notre Dame was going to be a top fifteen pick. Yeah.
1: But he was the top. He was, he like,
2: was early second, second round. round. He was like third in the he NFL went to the second round last year. He was third tight end. Oh. Was he the third tight end pick? You're talking about Mayor. Kincaid yeah, was first. Talking about Mayer. I thought you meant Komet. Kincaid was the first. Yeah, Titan, Kincaid was the first which one Which I'm bullish. I am bullish on Dalton Kincaid
1: in yeah. 2023. But Brock Bowers is a better prospect than all these guys. I
2: think Brock Bowers is a top 15 pick. If yeah. there was a Brock Bowers future out there that said over under pick 17, I'm betting that he goes to the top 17. Yeah, and I
3: hope it's the Texans.
2: Me too. He's I, really I, do, I have a draft crush on Brock Bowers. Well, myself. that's where your
3: pick's going to be, so...
2: Probably Steven Nelson. Does he have a lot to prove? No, no, I don't think so either. I think he's pretty cemented as your second best corner, and he's like a steady hand. You know what I mean? I he, got, his I got one of my men Been mug. there, done that. Who you got? Nico Collins. Nico's on this list. Nico Collins got a
3: lot to prove.
1: I think he's got to be. This is make
2: or break for me. I would with have Nico, him. Too.
1: I would have him third behind Stingley and Canyon Green.
2: People are the fantasy community's bullish on Nico Collins. They think that Nico Collins is going to be the most productive fantasy receiver for the Houston Texans. He's a training camp superstar. I don't think he's going to finish top two. I think that Mechie's going to have a better year. I think that Robert Woods is going to have a better fantasy season. I think there's a decent shot. Tank Dell has a better fantasy year than Neal Collins. You're talking about just wide
3: receivers. I think, just wide receivers. Yeah, because I was going to say you could put Dalton Schultz in that conversation Just wide receivers. Too, yes.
2: Just yeah. wide receivers. And to your point, you know, football, more non-fantasy approach. Like Dalton, uh, he's a a pass catcher. Like he should be in the conversation. They do have John Grenard mentioned. They have Davis Mills mentioned. Does Davis Mills have a lot to prove in 2023? Not to the Houston Houston Texans. Texans. He's not going to have the opportunity.
3: not to the Houston Texans. Maybe to try and earn a spot on another team somewhere. I just don't think it's here.
2: Here's the case that I will make. For Davis Mills having a lot to prove. Who's the third-string quarterback in the Houston Texans? Keenum. Why has Case Keenum had a decade in the NFL and has made $40 million in his NFL career?
3: He's proven himself when his number's been called.
2: I would say because he is a great asset to have in the quarterback room with a young quarterback in that room. That's why he was brought to Cleveland with Baker Mayfield. He was like kind of the steady hand behind... Last year with Josh Allen to kind of give him a different perspective. Case Keenum has been in the NFL for, he did do a great job as a starter. But he, the reason that he has lasted and he's still around is because he is a coach in the quarterback room that is, that is a colleague with these young quarterbacks. Me, so Davis Mills, when he has something to prove in 2023, if Davis Mills wants to have a 15-year NFL career, he has to prove to the NFL that he's cool holding the clipboard, he's a sounding board for the rookie quarterback, and he can help a rookie quarterback. So did, it's kind of but, reachy. But Davis Mills can, Davis Mills can buy I'm five years to, to his another level career on the line this year by being the backup.
3: The way the NFL has evolved, though, and, and the whole Nick Full situ, uh, situation has, has kind of elevated the value of a really good backup, too. You can carry the clipboard. You can do all those things. But when your number's called for short periods of time, you have to prove that you're capable of, of keeping the team going in the direction it was going. Yep. You look at Teddy Bridgewater a couple years ago when they lost Breeze. He went 5-0. and oh. That's a backup quarterback that maybe he's not worthy and he wouldn't have done that on a 17-game on a schedule. But when your number's called, like Foles, like Teddy Bridgewater, like guys like that, that's how you also sustain longevity. We don't need you for 16 or 17 games. But if we need you for three or four, and it's the difference between making or missing the playoffs, we need you to keep the ship afloat.
2: My rule on a good backup quarterback is someone who helps the starting quarterback during the week, game planning, seeing defenses like on game day. And that when he does have to make starts, he goes 500. Not not even asking a ton. You go 500. You play six games, you give me three wins, I am over the moon. You play four games, you can win two, I am over the moon. That is what I need out of a backup quarterback. That's why Case Keenum's been in the league so long. And that's how Davis Mills can quite literally add five years to his NFL career this year without playing a snap. Don't
3: discount chipping and, and, and just short game around the green. Because if you're the backup and you can keep your starter... From taking double bogey by teaching him how to chip yep. and be good around the green? That's a
2: value.
1: Are the tackles on your guys' list? Uh, Larry Tunsil, it's, Laramie, it's no, very I much mean, got
2: He's gotten two of the top left tackle contracts in history. I don't but think it, he has anything to prove.
1: But it's been said on this show many times that we don't believe he performs well when he's not chasing a contract.
2: Right, but what is he proving, though? He's, he's proving our point.
1: Like, proving that like he has work ethic and is actually trying like it's not a bad contract.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I see your point. I guess. I guess I view it more as is this guy going to be a player in the NFL? Yeah, yeah. Like Larry Tunstall's gotten his bag twice. I
1: mean, Titus is and Titus, it's it, look, it's prove it for a contract. No, Titus and it might I, not be here.
2: Titus, I would absolutely throw in this into this conversation. Yeah, he's like trying to, try to get money. prove it because this is a prove it year in mm-hmm. terms of do you get a contract with the Texans? Do you get a contract around the NFL? I would throw Titus Howard in this. Background. And are you a starter
3: or a backup? Because in a lot of ways, you can get another job in the NFL, but if you want another starting job, you damn well better perform.
2: It's hard for me to imagine Titus not as a starter in the NFL, but if he has a really bad year, maybe he brings that into the conversation. Uh, 713-780-3776, who are your make-it-or-break-it guys for the Texans in 2023? I have three really stupid reasons to believe Amin Thompson is very high as 2-E. I think he has a high basketball IQ for really... Three Stupid Reasons. It's The Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.
0: Razor blunt commentary delivered with a special purpose. What's happening to my special purpose? It's The Killer Bees, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5.
2: All right, I have uh, three really stupid reasons to think that Amin Thompson is high S2E. I think that uh, Amin Thompson has a very high basketball IQ. There's some questions about other rookies in this city if they're low S2E. Not going to say who, but some people in the city think certain rookies are low S2E. I have three really stupid reasons as to why I think Amin Thompson has a very high basketball IQ. I think he is high S2E as a rookie coming into the NBA. The first one, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there is a a video, I wouldn't quite call it viral, going around about uh, Amin Thompson answering NBA trivia questions. Draft trivia, like player A was drafted, player B was drafted, who got picked higher. Amin Thompson went like 14 for Mm -hmm. 15. Look, I take that seriously. I think that it's important to know the history of the game. If you know 14 of 15 guys and where they were drafted in the NBA, it tells me you have some basketball sense. It tells me you're high basketball as two Right?
3: Well, to me, it tells me that you're a student of the game, mm-hmm. that it's not just about you and what you're about to do. It's about who got the sport and you know the, the, the entire game of basketball to the level that, that has given you the opportunity that it's given you. And Charles used to always say he never, ever missed an opportunity to shake a hand and thank a guy from a previous generation for doing what they did, playing how they played, getting to a point where he could do what he does. And I think that that's kind of like student of the game. Ask we've heard about his work ethic; he's a basketball junkie, which some people are crapping on, saying that's a bad characteristic to have. Right? It could be a lot worse. And if you also know the history and some of the play, great.
2: I rather got a guy be a basketball junkie than not be a basketball junkie. Do Me I think? Too. It, do I think it matters a whole lot? Mm, probably not a whole lot. Well, I think it does. Mm, I mean, I, I think mean, if you're,
3: if you're coming in the league and you have a less than stellar jump shot, too. If, if you're James okay. Harden you're and you are talking want- about
2: putting in the work. I meant more yeah. about being a, like a student of basketball trivia.
3: Oh, no, no. Uh, I mean, okay. that's nice to have, right? And it's good that you can appreciate where the game's been and some of the great players in the game. But to me, if you're a, ba- a gym rat and yeah. a basketball junkie... Give me that. That's a huge plus. I want a guy who lives in a gym. I can't <laughs> believe people were crapping on that and going, I mean, is he going to wear out, burn out, do all these things? At this point in his life, if he hasn't worn out, burned out, and he still loves... Yeah. Getting the money now and getting a taste of it, if he still loves going to the gym and working on getting better, give me that guy.
2: Yeah, it's, it is a weird criticism. It, 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 it just got under criticism. my
3: skin so much when I heard multiple people say that.
2: That guy works hard. How dare him?
3: Like, <laughs> he, I'd rather have him in the strip club or in the club until 3 a.m. or taking a private jet to, like, see some I, club in Miami or more, Atlanta.
1: It's more about the fact that, like, look, he's young. He played in a garbage basketball program before this. So, like, I can't imagine you his think coaching the was great.
2: overtime is trash, huh?
1: Uh, yeah, it's not fun I, to watch. I kind of don't disagree. Uh, it's that he's a gym rat and his jump shot is like real broke. It is, but that's what I want like, him to work on. I know, but like that's concerning. Like he, it's like it's great. He's spending all this time in the gym, but and dude, the jump shot is with. still broke.
3: Yeah, but at the same time, Joe, you could say that, but say that all of the other skill sets that he has. He's athletic. He can defend. He can do pass. He can dribble.
1: Hundred percent. But like, there are some people like who are like really keen on the fact that like. His jump shot's not good right now. I think it will come in time. Even if it doesn't, he can still be a great player.
2: Man, I don't know if I think it will come in time. I'm hopeful it will come
3: in time. Well, because, look, I've seen I've seen both sides of the spectrum, too. I've seen Dwight Howard, who has all the talent in the world, and had all the resources in front of him from Carol Dawson and Kevin McHale and others to teach him how to be better offensively, and he just would rather be anywhere else, like, doing stupid stuff yeah. than than honing in on his craft. No,
1: it, it's it's great from the fact that, like, it's – it's it's leadership. Like, it's we talked about James Harden. Like, James Harden's here. What's most likely going to happen? He's going to go to the strip club. It's not really an issue that he goes to the strip club. It's the four who guys he takes that, with. who he takes with to the strip club. Where I'm at Thompson, if he's a gym rat, it's you're hopeful that those four guys are then in the gym with him. And that maybe it benefits Jalen Green's jump shot versus his own. Yep. But I think that's like the main criticism that people have had when they say, "Oh, he's in the gym all the time." It's like, "Well, dude, your jump shot sucks." I
2: think that sometimes too, those people can be a little awkward, like socially awkward. I sure. don't think that's the case with the Min Thompson. I don't either. Like he kind of lights up a room. He jokes around on interviews. Like I, I don't, I don't get that feel with the Min Thompson at all. Like there's some dudes who are like gym rats or like they're always in the cages and they're like kind of difficult to deal with. They're not personable. They're not you know fun. I don't get that with a men Thompson and do Do I think many like that personal stuff matters like their personal traits? I think it matters a little. I don't think it matters a ton, uh, but I think a Min Thompson's like, I think he's charismatic. I will the, honest with you.
1: These guys are really like the Both the twins uh-huh. like really like endearing. Like, exactly. The video, going around, yeah. the video going around yesterday that was big was the there was a breakaway and one of them wanted an alley-oop mm-hmm. and then they were like apologizing to each other. And like, it's like, hey, man, I really wanted the oop there. Do you know their middle name? No. They, wait, wait, wait. Time out. Time out. Their middle name? Which they have, they the, have, the, same the, they have name? the same
2: middle name. Okay. It is spelled XLNC. That Excellent. is their middle name. Ex, excellence. Their middle name is spelled XLNC. Look, at least. Both it's of a, their middle names are XLNC. At least it's a middle name. Excellence. It's going to be on their license plate. <laughs> Maybe. But maybe both of them. It's a good thing they're in different states. So I think that he's high S two E for three really stupid reasons. The first one's because he answers NBA trivia questions good. The second one, have you seen some of his passes? Oh yeah. Some of his passes are like you need good basketball IQ to be able to make these passes. The one I saw yesterday, like he left the ground two on one fast break at the rim. He left the ground and like he passed it, but he still faked the layup to get the defender in the air to away from yep. his teammate. Yep. Some of these bounce passes where he leads his like his teammate to the rim, I love the way he passes the basketball. And look, it's no surprise, this was like his biggest strength coming into the NBA. And some of his turnover numbers are too high. Like, he needs to, to borrow a term from Kelvin Sampson, learn to hit a single instead of trying to hit a home run every single time. And that's part of being a rookie in the NBA sure. and developing into being a good point guard, is that you're not always looking for the highlight real pass. Sometimes you're just making the steady pass, the pass that's not going to lead to a turnover. But his passes, to me, are high basketball IQ. Yeah,
3: no, that's why I say it. You know, Fair point and criticism that you and Joe both mentioned about his, his shooting ability or lack thereof. But when you're in the gym all the time and you've developed the handles and, and the ability to pass the ball and see the floor the way he does, defend and be athletic on both ends of the floor, there's just so much positive there to work with that you realize even if he doesn't fully get the jumper, especially if he's playing a position where he's really required to distribute the ball first, you're going to be just fine.
2: I... I, I bullish with his passing ability. I see a little Ricky Rubio in him, to be honest with well, you. Ricky
3: Rubio, that's that's quite a compliment because see some Ricky Rubio, Ricky Rubio is a really good passer.
2: I see some Ricky Rubio in him. Now, his biggest, he's going to be able to pass from day one. His biggest adjustment is that he's going to have to limit the turnovers. because I think he even had like four turnovers a game uh, with Overtime Elite. That needs to come down.
3: I think the other thing, the, the other big adjustment he's going to have to make, he's playing against grown men every night. Oh, yeah. So I think instead of playing Overtime Elite where you're playing just glorified high school kids, you're going to have to play against grown men that are collecting checks too that are going to be stronger than you. That are going to be, you know, more, I don't know, more athletic since Rafael Stone called them the most athletic guy that's ever walked in their gym. Super athletic. But I think that you're you're going to be in for a rude awakening early in how physical and athletic the guys you're going against are going to be every night now.
2: Here is the final third of three stupid reasons of why I think Amin Thompson is very high as 2 e. Listen to Amin Thompson, praise and scout the game of his fellow rookie, Cam Whitmore.
0: Yeah, super... Athletic, you know, good shooter, can really break somebody down off the dribble. Uh, I say he's like a freight train, to be honest. Like, even if you stay in front of him, he puts you in the paint, dunk on you, great second jump. Just, I mean, he was at the top of my board, so. <laughs>
2: Amin Thompson could have been on the ESPN draft coverage and been better than anybody on that stage with the exception of J.J. Reddick. I was going to
3: say, don't the, don't mess with my boy J.J. This no.
2: was this was a really great scouting report on fellow rookie Cam Whitmore. They asked Cam Whitmore, like, the same question about Amin, and Whitmore's like, oh, yeah, he, he's good at basketball. And there's no knock on Whitmore because I bet you every rookie is going to answer the question the way that Cam Whitmore did. Amin Thompson broke down that dude's game you know better than any, any draft analyst can.
3: What was the one key that really told you how much he knows and what what he's really studied and watched? Which part? His second jump. His second jump. When he mentioned second like this was jump, an
2: elite that's a report. kid
3: that realizes not just, hey, this guy can finish if I give him the rock. He understands that like on offensive rebounds and on opportunities around the basket, the guy gets back off the floor quickly. Not a lot of guys are that savvy. I think he's high s two-y. e. do don't disagree with that. I think he them. has
2: the three stupid reasons. I'll concede that these are three stupid reasons to think that a Min Thompson's high s 2 e I think he's got some basketball IQ. I'm excited to see him in the summer league. See if it translates to the floor a little bit. Well,
3: I think that's the first version. Because remember, what really turned me off right away on Josh Christopher was oh my goodness, he got in the summer league and he thought he was going to be like the all star hero MVP of the league, shooting just every single time he touched the ball. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's going to be a problem. It was brutal. Yeah, it was but so if, if you hard get, watching. If Ahmed Thompson goes in there and immediately starts trying to provide some organizational structure on the floor for this team. And, 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 you know, and, and moving and swinging the basketball, finding the open guy, you're going to be excited. Yeah,
2: I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to Summerlee. I really am because I think he's high as 2 e. All eight zero three seven seven six. Do you have stupid reasons to believe a min Thompson's going to be high as 2 e. Oh, every day at 2.30, our Will-a-Bits. Today's Will-a-Bit, we'll find out. Let's see what Joe has planned for us. Let's see what the Will has planned for us. Shout out Pat Sajak and Ryan Seacrest. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN seven five and ESPN 92.5.
0: It's the Wheel of Bits on the Killer Bees. Kibbles and bits. Kibbles and bits. I'm going to get me some kibbles and bits. Who knows the bits the bees will begrudgingly bite? Well, let's find out. That's it or not. Here's Joel and Jeremy. And Joe.
2: (laughs) All right. Wheel of Bits. Let's see what uh, Joe and the, uh, the Will have planned for us. Big Wheel of Fortune news. Uh, Ryan Seacrest has been named the new host of Will of Fortune. I will now be watching Will of Fortune the same amount of times that I watched it when Pat Sajak was the host. Not a fan, are you? It's not that I'm not a fan. I just never watch it. it, when it when I don't it, dislike it. If it's ever on, like I'll play along, but I should never go out of my way to put on the will. Well, ever.
3: A lot of times it's better than Astros pregame. Is it? Yeah, and it's on from 6.30 to 7.
2: So you like the will. I've no, noticed. no, no. I'm, I'm my family, my my
3: <laughs> wife and I love to play the game shows.
2: I like playing the game shows, but I'm never like... Jeopardy.
3: Uh, they took they they stopped they stopped production on uh, America Says, which we loved. Never heard of it. It was on the game show network, but it was a good show. What?
2: What the is, is the show game ne- show network? 24 oh, seven game shows. Oh, I do know. I do. I know yeah. what that is. I know what that is. All right. What does the will have in store for us, Joan? What do you and the will have in store for the bees? All right. Today we're going to
1: play Bet It or Not. So I've got three. Vegas total, Vegas odds. Go I'm going to tell you what they are, and you're going to tell me if you would bet it or not.
2: So bet or stay away.
1: Um, we'll start with American League Cy Young odds. This one's from mm-hmm. BetMGM. From Valdez is the betting favorite to win the American League Cy Young at plus 260. Shohei Otani is... Like seventh right now. Your top four are Fromber, McClanahan, Garrett Cole, Kevin Gossman.
2: What was Fromber's number? Minus? It's probably plus, right? Plus 260. Okay, so it's pretty high plus for a betting favorite. That Shane McClanahan
1: me. is second at plus 400. It tells me it's wide
2: open.
3: I think it's between McClanahan right now and Shohei. I think Shohei is going to do what he always does so that he's going to, regardless of his numbers are not quite as impressive as the other top pitchers, because of all that he does, and he's going to still be in the conversation. McClanahan is, is the best team in the American League right now and the best pitcher on it, and he's doing a lot of great things. I would bet I would stay away from Fromber.
2: McClanahan left his last start, but it looks like he's going to make his next start, so it looks like he avoided injury there. McClanahan leads the AL in wins and ERA, and the Rays have been the best team in the American League. Fromber is the leader in war for pitchers. I don't think Fromber is going to get popularity votes, which a lot of times you need because, one, he's an Astro. Secondly, it's Fromber, and Fromber has always felt underappreciated when it comes to the talking heads of Major League Baseball. Uh, And as a team,
3: the Astros are underachieving as opposed mm, to the best team in the American League.
2: I would probably stay away from this. If I had to bet one, you said McClanahan's number was plus 400? Yep. What was was the Shohei's? Plus 700. Uh,
1: Shohei Otani is plus... I think you said 700, 1200.
2: That's pretty good. I rather, I rather bet I rather make two bets here. I would bet McClanahan at plus 400, and I would also throw a little bit on Otani at plus 1200 because he's popular. Uh, I don't like the Fromber value here I, I, I think that Fromber is very, very much in the conversation as best pitcher in the American League, but I don't think he wins a popularity vote. I don't like the point that you make. The Astros are underachieving. The Rays have been great. McClanahan wins like the old-fashioned numbers. Wins ERA. Shohei really popular. I don't like the Fromber. Fromber would be – I wouldn't bet Fromber. I would bet McClanahan and Shohei. And I think a lot
3: of the voters are old school, and they still look at ERA and wins.
2: And I also think a lot of the voters are anti-Astros. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That I agree with. So, there you go. All
1: right. The second one I've got, thanks to A.J. Hinch. The Astros are now five games back of the Texas Rangers. Also from BetMGM, you can get the Astros right now at a plus one ninety to win the AL West.
2: What are the what are the uh, what are the Rangers?
1: Minus one sixty five.
2: And what are the Angels?
1: Plus nine hundred. Pulled
2: one out late last night. Angels are plus nine hundred. So the
1: Astros and the Angels are both five games back. The Astros are plus one ninety. The Angels are plus nine hundred. That shows you how much Vegas... Respects the Astros versus the Angels. Yeah, the
3: value is in the Angels, but I don't see it. A hundred percent. Yeah,
2: not plus nine hundred for a team that is tied with the Astros at five. It's like if you're gonna
1: bet on the Astros, you almost have to also bet on the Angels if they're both five games back right now.
2: The problem is the Astros are south of plus two hundred. Like if they're plus two ten, then it's like okay, let me bet Astros and Angels, and now I'm like locking in a profit for the Rangers if they lose the division. The problem is, is if you bet Angels or if you bet Astros and Angels, and the Astros win. Then you're losing you're losing money. Like
1: thirty five bucks. Like yeah. you,
2: you really would like the Astros to be plus two twenty. Because now it's an automatic. Give me Astros and Angels, and I'm betting on the Rangers to lose the division. Um, what, what's the Mariners? I'm curious. They're eight and a half. They're starting, they're starting to heat up. Twenty two hundred. I might play I think the Astros are still gonna win the division. Let me be very clear there. I believe the Astros are going to win the division. I like the long odds of plus 900 and plus, you said Seattle was? Plus 2,200. I would sprinkle a little on the Angels in Seattle. I will say I can see that. But I think the Astros are going to win the I division. I think the
3: Astros are going to win the division as well. But I, I, I believe that if you want to take the lesser of the odds, but I think the better chance to win it because of where they sit and it just, even with injury, they're still doing it this year. They've gotten better pitching. I would I would look at the Angels.
2: Plus 900 stupid value, I that, think. That's
3: a lot of value there.
1: All right. I I still believe the Astros, if they make the playoffs, can win the World Series. You don't sound confident, sir. But I don't believe they will win the division anymore. Who do you think is going to win the division? The Rangers.
2: You think the Rangers are going to hold off the I Astros? I think
1: they are good enough to hold it off.
2: The Rangers' schedule has not been the best.
1: I mean, the Astros have gained a game and a half since I said that for the first time on Saturday. So
2: The Rangers also, the I love the Rangers' offense. Love the Rangers' offense. I think the Rangers' offense is very, very good. Their pitching rotation has been really good. They also have a bunch of guys who are pitching above their norm. They have a lot of 2022 Rafael Monteros. You know, John Gray's pitching better than his norm. Nathan Ivaldi's better than his norm. Perez has always been solid. Uh, who's the the other guy I'm missing here? Did I say Heaney? No, you did not. Heaney's say that. pitching better than his norm, and their bullpen is flat out trash. Now they could fix that at the they, deadline. Yeah, it's the easiest thing to fix. I think that the Rangers are over exceeding expectation I think that they've played a pretty soft schedule I think their bullpen is awful I don't think that the I think the Rangers will Smith is exceeding I, recent I expectations I hope I, I, don't I, I like, the Rangers. this is one the, of those uh,
1: like I hope I'm very wrong like I still believe that the Astros are healthy they can go back to the World Series they can win it if mm-hmm. they get a wild card they're the most proven team in the American League we all know that they've been there done that it's just if you're not within striking distance like real striking distance of the Rangers I expect them to be the team that calls the Royals and goes two for one and gets their top two, top two bullpen arms. And like they're gonna, I think the Rangers are gonna go really, maybe over the top, all in this offseason
2: season As if or they this deadline free agency the last two years,
1: like to try to win right now.
2: I could totally see them training and for Barlow and a role Exactly, it's like if totally he, could see it.
1: It's it's not an anti or thing. It's just you watch them play and like they're they like everyone's hitting like above two sixty. It's crazy.
2: What's reasonable striking distance?
3: Yeah, that's what I was going to say cuz right now the Astros are in reasonable striking distance.
2: I think 5 games with over 81 games to play is reasonable. Absolutely.
3: Easily. Because well, it's gonna... And then you play them before the All-Star break if you take that series. Well, if you take that
1: series like look, you could go If they win 3 of 4 in Arlington, it could be yeah. a totally different story And then you got them coming out of the break at now. home,
2: right? I believe that's right. Yeah. 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 I think I don't know if it's right away or if Yeah, it's within like... the first two series. It's, yeah. If you take 3 of 4 in Arlington, you might yeah. be a game back. It's like a slam dunk they're going to win the division. No question.
1: Yeah, I probably jumped on it too early, but I went with it. And Three of four in Arlington
2: is gonna be a tall task.
3: Though. So, so negative Nancy over there is already written Time on out. The Astros is as winning the division. I'll take two of four in Arlington to be. But happy I still about said it. they
1: could win the World Series.
3: Our numbers have been pretty consistent about what we would take on trips and.
2: I'll take two of four in yeah. Arlington. Yeah, I'll take that. All
1: right, last one I got here. So we got Rookie of the Year odds just came out um, as well. This one's from also MGM. We're just rolling with them today. Free plugs, I guess.
2: Do we have? Is that one of our sponsors?
1: Uh, no, no, they sponsor the Astros though. Okay. So, do, do the Astros don't. support us? No. Yeah. It'd be nice if Benjam GM can legally support us, but our state sucks. Um, all right, Rookie of the Year odds: Victor Wembanyama obviously is minus two hundred. Scoot Henderson's plus three fifty. Chet Holmgren's plus five hundred. Oh, I forgot about Chet. Brandon Miller's plus nine fifty, and then here's where Ahmed Thompson comes in, plus fifteen hundred, and Cam Whitmore is the next guy, plus two thousand. Would you jump on a men or Cam at plus 2,000 or plus 1,500? Nope. No chance.
3: Nope.
2: I don't think they're going to play us that much. I don't,
3: I think... don't think Amen's going to play that much. Mm-hmm. I think if Whitmore's going to get some opportunities early, if he capitalizes on them at all, where, I think he could get... Where do you think he's playing? Oh, I think they're going to play him at the three.
2: Oh, but, but if... I mean, you have right now, and there's there should be some trades, they're the favorite to land Dylan Brooks. They're, they have Jay Shante. They have Tari. They have K.J. Martin.
3: Okay. One, I don't think they're going to have tar I Bear. mean uh uh Tate two, I think that they're going to be forced a-, a hand on KJ Martin where they might not have him either okay and I don't I think he's you're going- right on and I don- and I don't think Whitmore's going to start, but I think that if he gets those opportunities off the bench and does something with him, he'll get minutes enough to where he'll make people notice him. I just don't think it's enough for yeah. him to compete for the rookie of the year.
2: That's I, don't, I'm at. I I don't, don't think, think he's going get enough opportunity. I don't yeah, think either one will. I, I
1: agree. I would also, like, I wouldn't waste the money on Weminyama. But personally, Mm-mm. I don't think Pop, like, Greg Pop has shown that he, he rolls these guys in slowly. He did it with Kawhi. Like, he doesn't just play his rookies right away. Frankly, I think the best odds, odds are Scoot at plus 350. I have a better one. Because when Dame gets traded, it's going to be the Scoot show.
3: I I I think Miller's the guy.
2: That's where I'm at.
3: I think Miller's the guy because he played at Alabama, really? he's, he played at a high three level. three
2: times better odds. Yeah. He's Plus got great odds, but he's
3: also the most ready to jump in right now. Now, the hype train on Wim is going to mean something with voters?
2: Yeah, I'm not betting -200 though. No,
3: but I'm not going to bet on it. If I'm going to take anything to try and make money off of this, I'm taking Miller.
2: Here's the other thing, too. Like voters are enamored by what? Storyline. A storyline mm-hmm. story scoring numbers. Scoot might get some like Scoot might be like a twelve point per game guy, six seven assists, three four rebounds. He might have like a good line score. There's a chance Brandon Miller could average like eighteen a game. No question. So if if Brandon Miller's got a
3: really good point guard getting him the ball,
2: exactly. Like I think Brandon Miller of all rookies, I think it's a very realistic thing that brandon miller is the highest scoring rookie in the nba i
3: I totally agree with that And if i think
2: that he's the highest scoring rookie in the nba i give it plus 950 for rookie of the year odds give me brandon miller that's what
3: the voters are going to look at who's the leading scorer amongst rookies that the old school voters that's first thing they look at now joe i I believe in your point that because scoot's going to get minutes when they trade dame which i believe they're going to do that's big what he does with him is going to be big too because if the ball's in his hands and he too is going up against grown men his turnovers are going to go through the roof early and they're people are going to look at that whereas if Miller just hits a wing, takes the ball from ball, gets good open looks and then finishes around the basket, his
2: numbers are going to go through the roof. Plus 950. That's it's, pretty it's, good odds. It's, it's interesting too that Miller went second, Scoot went third and Miller has plus 950 and Scoot's plus 350. But I think that's because people
1: believe that Dame's going to get traded and it's going to be Scoot's show. He's going to have a
2: high usage. Like
1: it's going to be I mean, it's going to be him and uh I can't remember the other point guard they have Simons. Simons yeah. is more
3: of a two, though.
1: Yeah, Simons and Scoot. Like they're going to be they're going to be terrible, but they're going to score a lot. Shaden,
3: you know? Shaden and Simons are going to yeah. be the, the shooters, and, and, and Scoot's going to set them up. For your
1: information, Jerris Walker's plus 2,500.
2: Ooh. I like that. I Got like a lot Jaris. of guys he's
3: playing behind in Indiana.
2: Yeah. 713-780 ESPN. HRP listener line. 713-780-3776. Um, I'm going to see Wicked today. What should I expect? What what do y'all want to know tomorrow after I watch Wicked tonight? Why you went? (laughs) It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.
0: Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy.
2: Um, where's uh, where's the the 230, the 242 song we played yesterday? We don't need the Chopped and screw. I thought that was the, the new 242 song. You, you guys it's it's on, on Twitter.com and, Twitter and, and on Facebook. Show.
3: You a-holes are lucky because I almost came in here today and just went, what up, Houston? What's going on?
2: Yeah, that would have really broken our hearts. No, I know. What <laughs> are you <laughs> looking at us for? Because you got so much ten? enjoyment out of
3: it. I looked in there. You couldn't even, you had to push away from the mic. You it was just, funny. So red faced, bouncing around.
2: Let me go retweet it if you didn't. If you didn't see it yesterday,
3: yeah, because the response on it on Twitter was amazing.
2: I'll go retweet it right now. Um, that way, you all of you can see it. And yeah, it was well received. Everybody really enjoyed it. The texters yesterday loved it. They liked it. Uh, the Twitchers. When were do big we get fans. the
3: best of Jeremy? Real was self defecating. What's he gonna <laughs> sing?
2: <laughs> Never. What have I sang? It bosses, made it into a song. The bosses told me to stop singing.
3: golat's the one that sings i
2: coming. He I'm does. He does here. the country.
3: Jeremy Pena. The the Jeremy
2: uh, Pearl Jam. I'm a little jealous of that. He used to do that with me before he did it with Jeremy he Pena. He did, yeah. He started it with you. Yeah. I'm a little jealous. He
1: would sing about you before he talked about your bad takes?
2: What's that? He talk, Paul's talking about my bad takes?
1: I mean, we get brought up quite a bit on that show. I
2: yeah, have
3: Paul's no idea. Paul's quick to point fingers at a lot of people. The fact that he was trying to take down Gilbert, he's always pointing the finger at us. He's mad because... We talk Astro. Well, both the wheelhouse and Paul get ticked off because we talk Astros too much in their minds,
2: which is an outrageous thing to say. It is since the Astros it, it's run the city.
3: Stupidity.
2: <laughs> the Astros are like the best thing in town when it comes to the sports world. Although right now they're in second base or second place. So no Astros lineup yet. They're in uh, St. Louis. Who is your? Who is the Cardinal that you hate the most? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven six. Oh, what
1: a great answer! He sucks. See, he like, doesn't suck when he played for the Cubs. I almost...
3: well. That's why you hate him. <laughs> See the easy it just made me so sad. The easy answers pull holes.
2: Easy answer. the easy answers pull holes. But boy, I had not thought about Jim Edmonds. Jim oh, Edmonds I go like, not the playoffs. Stand that Jim, Jim Edmonds. Edmonds. The, the over the diving oh, over yeah. the shoulder. He played was, a shallow center.
3: He was one hell of a defensive center field.
1: He definitely was. But like, he's just he, he is Cardinal baseball, and I hate him.
2: Oh man. Like, there's I hadn't always that, thought about Jim Edmonds. That's like, such a good answer.
1: There's always that saying, like, usually you hate a guy until he's on your team. Most people feel that way about a guy like Patrick Beverly. It didn't apply for Jim Edmonds.
2: He always like, came up with big catches. Yep. He always came up with a big hit. Yep. Like, Pujols hit one to the moon against Brad Lidge. He won a title with the Angels. Edmonds? Yeah. Was he on, I don't think he was on the Angels team that beat the Barry Bonds Giants. No? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because wherever I think, he, was, I think he was, he a made Cardinal great already. defensive play. I think I think that came after he left Anaheim and went to the Cardinals.
3: Is he a World Champion? He, he won with the he, Cardinals.
2: He won one in '06 with the Cardinals, okay. but he was gone from Anaheim whenever they beat. Uh, that was Dusty was the manager of that team.
3: The Giants team. Yeah, that yeah. was
2: Dusty Baker's kid. Almost got ran over. Well, at the I was place. just
3: going to say it's the exact same thing. I remember
2: JT Snow like bailed him yanked out.
3: him out of the way. Yep.
2: Yeah, that was yeah that was the uh, Barry Bonds Dusty Baker Giants and the Tim Salmon. Garrett Anderson, Angels, I believe it was. But, yeah, Edmonds was gone. Who's your uh, – t- pool host was going to be my answer, but I think I have to switch it to Jim Edmonds. I hated Jim Edmonds.
3: I, I don't think that there, there's a, any other answer to me uh, unless you want to just go with I the – I hate Yachty. The, the you pool.
2: didn't like Maldi? Yachty. Well, he's one Yachtier. of the best. Yachty Molina. That, I just
3: always respected that dude. Same. Why is he a cheater?
1: Because multiple times in his career, a ball has bounced off the plate and stuck to his chest. Goodness, boy. I it's just so respect, much I respected the hell out chest. of everything
3: in the way he went about You're his you acting like it's Velcro with a tennis ball. That's,
1: I'll show you the, I will send you the video after this. Please do.
3: <laughs> I just, I've always respected Yachty. I think most people remember the Pujols home run off of Brad Lidge and, and the fact that he had more home runs against the Astros than any other team he played for and go, that's the easy answer. But the real baseball fan will say Edmonds.
2: Yeah, Edmonds too. Like his personal life afterwards too was kind of. Oh uh, God. Ocho says my wife hates him on Housewives of Some City. I didn't realize that Jim Edmonds was the husband of a. So the whole story was my wife
3: because my wife watches those. The whole thing was documented where he had the half his age younger wife and then got her pregnant. They had I think twins and then he ends up sleeping with the nanny.
2: I yeah yeah. yeah. So is the nanny Scumbag. the housewife?
3: And I think the nan no and the nanny was younger than the wife.
2: So the, the the first wife was the housewife
3: yeah. of the show. I don't know if it was his first wife. I think it was his second wife. Yeah. But she huh. they have two they have twins, and then they hire a nanny and they highlight how they had to go through the process of hiring the nanny, and then he starts Yeah. With the nanny.
2: Yeah, you're right. He is scum. Yeah. He absolutely is scum. Uh someone on the uh, the Twitch line here, uh Fred, he said Jason Isringhausen.
3: I barely remember I know the name, but Barely remember who yeah. was their closer back then.
2: I think it was Isringhausen. Was it? I think it was. I think he was a converted starter and then was and then became a closer. Okay, if memory serves. And Wainwright, who was
3: their big and the big pitchers in those matchups. I don't really don't remember their. pitchers. I can't remember their pitchers.
2: Probably Holiday. Oh, for sure, Holiday for a couple of years. Although I don't know if they matched up with the Astros whenever Holiday was like going through. Like I don't know. Did they have the younger Stottlemyre? Holiday not a cardinal. That's my bad. He was a, he was a Philly. I got the colors mixed up. Oh, Todd? you met Roy Holiday. Yeah. Todd Stottlemyre?
3: Yeah, no, I'm talking about uh, the what's this, the the outfielder who's um whose kids was the number 1 pick in the draft from Baltimore. Oh, oh Matt,
2: Matt, Matt, Matt Holiday. That's Holliday. the Holiday. I holiday Holiday, I, I think liked. was
3: a, he, he was a cardinal, right? He was him, That
2: was kind of like after though. Like I think that was after he was uh Rocky? Like the Astros St. Louis like rivalry. He I was think a he long, came a little he, bit he was, after. he had
3: a good run with the Cardinals.
2: Yeah, he did. I think Holiday was kind of like the Lance Berkman era though, wasn't he? I think maybe that's right. But again, that was competition to the Astros. The Astros lost to the Cardinals. What was the 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 04, 04 was the pool host year cuz the Astros went to the World Series in 05. Okay. So 04 was the pool host year. That team, their starting lineup, Mike Matheny was their catcher. Okay. Which mm, Former manager. Eh, yeah, didn't love Matheny, he was all right though. Albert Puljols couldn't stand Albert Puljols cuz he was just Terrorizing the Astros. Tony Womack was their starting second baseman. Really? Yeah. I would not have remembered that at all. He won one with the Diamondbacks, right? Was he on the Finley Luis Gonzalez I diamondbacks? So. I think that's right. Edgar Renteria was their starting shortstop. Okay. Which he seemed to always kill the Astros too. Oh, you know who I hated? Who was the shortstop that made that that got on base for Albert Pujols before he hit the home run? David Eckstein. David Eckstein. I could not who later, stand up. And Eckstein. he got
3: paid with the Angels, David Eckstein, yeah.
2: Yep. Yep. Um, their third baseman, was Scott Rowland, Hall of Famer when Lance Berkman's not, which is a shame. Jim Edmonds in center, Ray Langford in left and old Ray Langford, yeah. Reggie Sanders in right. That was their starting line. And then remember they had John Mabry who came off the bench. Yeah. yeah. Yadier Merlina was a young 21 year old backing up. Who the played team. third?
3: R- Scott Rowland. Scott. Scott Rowland is a, he, he could be hated. Yeah. Scott, he, he did some damage.
2: I didn't, see, I was thinking Chris Carpenter when I said holiday for some reason. It's amazing to think Carpenter was around way back then. Yeah. Matt Morris was their their closer. Was he was Isringhausen? Oh, really? Yeah, it was Isringhausen. Who's the closer that went off the
3: deep end? John. He was a closer with the Yankees and a couple other players. Wetland? I think Wetland. Wetland went off the deep end. He was in
2: Texas for a while too. I think
3: he went way off the deep end and is in jail. I think
2: you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm going to go see Wicked tonight. You want a full review tomorrow? Not really. Okay. Playbill. I'll I'll, I'll bring. Joe wants a playbill. What's What's the wheelhouse going to lead off with today?
3: Um, Astros baseball.
2: I think they're going to lead off with how big a cowboy Jake Asman is. All right, it's going to do it for us. Thanks to Joe George for all the hard work. He's blank on Branham. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Houston. The Wheelhouse is next on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.